Welcome to Oh, I Like That, a podcast about things we like and occasionally things we don't. I'm Rachel Wilkerson Miller. And I'm Sally Tamarkin. Good morning. Hey, Rachel. How's the vibe? Vibe over here is Dece. It's like a very gloomy day. It's cold and blustery in a way that feels reminiscent of November, but otherwise the vibe is, you know, fine slash good. How about you? Yeah, it's it's gloomy here. Uh, it's been really rainy and gray for a few days. We've had some like pretty epic thunder and lightning storms, which has been very dramatic. You know I love when Mother mm-hmm. Nature makes a statement. So yep. <laughs> um, she's really been crushing it. But, you know, it's it's working for me. I, I'm I'm into the gloomy vibe. And the other thing is that I I'm Twitter free and loving it. Wow, 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 wow. That's big news. <laughs> yeah, I mean by Twitter free and loving it, I mean I'm not going to open the app today mm-hmm. and hopefully not for the next couple of days because I've just been noticing I started doing this thing where at night I like write down a couple of things that would have like improved my quality of life on the mm-hmm. day that just happened. And every single night I write down looking at Twitter less. And so yeah. after doing that for like eight days in a row, I was like, I think <laughs> possibly one thing I should consider is looking at Twitter less. Mm-hmm. So I've just decided, you know, we're starting a new week. It's a great time to do mm-hmm. dry January, but for Twitter and for mm-hmm one to five days. Yeah, I think that's a good plan. Also, I was meaning to tell you that I have been trying to read more after not reading like any books or not finishing any books this year. I read a book this weekend and I started reading a new one yesterday and read it this morning. So might I recommend books as an alternative to Twitter in the morning or at all the time? It's like a very, a nice way to like, I don't know. In the past, I put my Kindle app where my Instagram or Twitter app is on my phone to like remind me to open that instead. And I find it's very helpful. Yeah, no, I love that. I totally, I think I'm going to replace looking at Twitter with like probably some reading, probably some video games and probably another pastime of mine, which is like starting to listen to new podcasts, discovering nice. they're not for me and then moving on to another <laughs> one. <laughs> so right. I'm, I'm bringing the same neurotic energy I bring to Twitter to my other habits. But yeah, I'm, I'm totally psyched to do some things that are more productive than uh, stoking my my rage fire, which actually I feel like is a really good transition to our first topic. I completely agree. Do you want to, with that, kick things off? I think we should. All right. So our main segment today, we are going to talk about the imminent quote unquote reopening. The summer is coming. People are rapidly getting vaccinated and we're heading into what Sally called anxious girl summer. (laughs) I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, I'm feeling very excited about Mm -hmm. summer coming because it, it is looking like from all of the data that like, A, people are getting vaccinated. B, vaccines are effective and see Mm -hmm. like we're going to be able to return to some sort of like modified normal, which I'm Mm -hmm. like thrilled about. I'm also feeling like incredibly anxious about having a grip on what is going to feel safe and comfortable to do. Like I Mm -hmm. was talking about this with a friend of mine who is a health reporter who I think is really, really smart and like is very cautious, but is also very like science driven. Mm -hmm. And she was like just pointing out that for the last like year or more, we've all had to be like amateur epidemiologists and amateur virologists and amateur ethicists and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's exhausting and difficult and kind of, I think makes it, it makes it hard to know 
what is safe to do because you can't look outside your door and be like, well, everyone is doing this, so it's safe. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because a, a mm-hmm. lot of people were doing a lot of things that weren't right. safe. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, and and I also, I, I'm nervous not just about like safety, but about like being a person in society and making choices that are like, you know, moral or relatively moral. Mm-hmm. So, and and I will say also before I like kick it over to you is that like one of the reasons that I have decided to take this like Twitter break is the like discourse, quote unquote. <laughs> I mm-hmm. use that really loosely because it's actually just like a volley of tweets from people who are like diametrically opposed on like what is safe to do and what isn't and how people should mm-hmm. behave and how they shouldn't. The discourse is around like what it's okay to do and what kind of attitude we should all have going into mm-hmm. this phase of the pandemic is is really annoying and toxic and mm-hmm. I think represents like on one side the people who are like YOLO, do whatever you want, and on the other side people who are like like cautious to the point of not really taking into consideration what science and data and experts like do say. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's like not a useful conversation because it's just like two very extreme and like black and white positions that I don't think have that much nuance. So I don't know. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. That's like a big old like ball of my thoughts. Where are you at with like kind of going into summer, but also like what what the conversation is right now about all this stuff? Yeah. So I am partially vaccinated. I will be good to go at the beginning of May and I'm excited for that. I think people who listen to this podcast know that I have not done much of anything for the past year. And so I'm like cautious about heading back into the world, not necessarily because I'm like worried about getting sick, but more like I'm not sure how it will feel for me to go back into the world. And so I don't want to like go too hard too soon. Like Mm -hmm. I want to just like give myself time and space to ease back into things and see how it feels. And, you know, I'm not the most extroverted or outgoing person even in the best of times. So I like don't want to agree to do a bunch of socializing in part because like I know that I will like get easily exhausted by that and will regret having all those obligations looming. So I think my caution is coming from that more so than like I'm worried I'm going to get sick. But it's also hard to see case numbers being so high in New York and staying so high. That does make me a little uncomfortable. I have also seen a lot of these Twitter takes that are sort of so aggressive toward people who might be a little bit hesitant to go back in the world who still feel scared. And I find that just sort of so unnecessary and so sort of not even unkind, but just sort of like unthinking, ungenerous toward people. I also don't really believe this is a real problem, like that there are hordes of people who are going to refuse to leave their homes. But I want to share a couple representative tweets that I think really sum this up. So there was one, probably the most viral, from April 5th that said, there is a small but loud and absolutely real subset of people who don't want the pandemic to end because they are like being the best at following the rules. And I just am like, is there a small but loud and absolutely (laughs) real subset of people? Like I'm a bit skeptical of that. And when I was looking at this tweet and sort of all of the responses and and my timeline, it was a lot of people like plus wanting this and agreeing with it. I'm just sort of like, I remember the good old days when you had fights with imaginary people in your head in the shower. Like this feels (laughs) like getting whipped up 
over something that's not really happening and then having this imaginary fight in public versus just like thinking it and like getting whipped up yourself and alone versus like bringing other people into it. But it's just sort of like anyone can say a thing and it gets retweeted. And like, I think that the fact that it has been, you know, shared so much is indicative of like, yeah, a lot of people do agree with this. So yeah, I guess we should probably talk about it. But it it feels like a fake problem to me. Mm-hmm. There's also one from Nellie Bowles, who writes for the New York Times, who's saying, it's actually really sad how many people want to stay in lockdown life forever. And like, she goes on to say that we should think about programs to help these people. And I'm just like, people have there have always been people who didn't go out that much like we didn't really think about needing programs to like lure people who are introverted or people who are depressed out of the house like that wasn't really a thing that we were all concerned with i'm not really sure what she thinks these programs to help would look like but it felt to me sort of like concern trolling where it's like is this a real problem are you just trying to have the most galaxy brain take here i'm not really sure but like i just don't think that like people staying home because they are for whatever reason, but like if they are still a bit worried, like, okay, it does it doesn't these things aren't equal. Like over the past year, going out and doing stuff, you were taking the risk of making other people sick. Staying home never had that risk coming with it, right? Like it's not really anyone else's problem if you stay home. And so I'm kind of just like, who cares if people still want to stay home? Like it doesn't affect us. It's not like causing harm to other people. So what's the problem and why is everyone so worked up about this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with everything you just said. I think that there is kind of this like imaginary straw man of like, there are all these people who want the pandemic to keep going. I I think that's like, you know, or want lockdown to last forever or whatever. I think that that's the kind of thing that makes me (laughs) never want to go on Twitter again, because it's such a, it's such a disingenuous and bad Mm -hmm. faith take. Like, I don't think people want to stay in lockdown forever. I think people are feeling really scared and traumatized. And I, and Mm -hmm. I think also like another thing, this friend that I referred to before was saying, which is also reflected in, in a Twitter thread I, I thought was really good, which we can put in the show notes is that like things were so uncertain in the beginning of this and information was so, you know, I mean, like, (laughs) let, let, let us not forget who was president and who was in charge of the initial vaccine response. And it was Mm -hmm. like, don't, no one wear masks. And I was like, oops, we need masks. And it's like, it's not airborne. Oh, Hey, it's airborne. People, I think like a lot of people, and I think you and I are probably among them, Rachel, like became like, we we were just like, we're going to take this into our own hands. Like we're mm-hmm. going to read, we're going to find experts we trust. We're going to understand what's going on. And we're going to make decisions about what we do based on our best understanding and also based on kind of how cautious we are. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people have kind of calibrated themselves to react to, to make decisions based on like what is the worst possible outcome mm-hmm. because I I think that like for a huge portion of like the pandemic that was like that was certainly the only way I could feel safe you mm-hmm. know w- was to be like man like we don't have a lot of infor- information about this or information about this is changing a lot so what's the worst case scenario and how can I avoid it and mm-hmm. you know there there are a lot of people who don't think that way but still were largely you know, acting in ways that were safe and that's totally fine and good. But I think that like after a year of 
being very scared and being very cautious, it's it's pretty hard to like rip the Band-Aid off and, and feel like normal again. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wish that like people who are tweeting things like it's, you know, it's a real societal problem that people want lockdown to go on forever, which is completely, you know, bad faith <laughs> and ridiculous. I wish there would be that like shade of nuance that's like, you know, I just realized also maybe people really are desperate to be out of lockdown, but they're feeling like it's it's hard to just jump back into it. Mm-hmm. But you never really get that kind of nuance or you rarely get that kind of nuance on Twitter. But the, I mean, the other thing I will say is that like I, I have been seeing, I, I don't think that like whatever that first tweet was, like there's an absolutely real and sizable whatever mm-hmm. portion of people. Like I, I don't know if I would put it that way, but I, I feel like I have seen people who I think are kind of on the extreme other end of mm-hmm. this whole thing. Like I was, I was looking in the, in the comments of a, of a health brand that I very much respect. And there were all <laughs> these comments from people and, and the post was like, here's what the CDC says that you can do safely if you're fully vaccinated and how to do it. Mm-hmm. And and the post was just basically some very nice designed text, breaking it down and making it easily mm-hmm. readable. And there were a bunch of people in the comments that were like really pushing back on the idea that like any of this was like actually safe and that mm-hmm. you should not follow what the CDC says and you should be more cautious and, you know, and, and like, of course, like everyone should make their own decisions, but I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like, Telling people that, you know, when when we have all this like data about what the vaccines do and their efficacy, telling people to, you know, still stay at home and, Mm -hmm. you know, to not go hang out outdoors with other vaccinated people or to even like not go have an indoor hangout with one other household of vaccinated people, like that to me is contributing to some unhelpful like discourse around like what's safe and what's not. And at a certain point, I feel like you cross a threshold where you sound like someone who's in QAnon or like, or who's like a vaccine, a COVID denier, you know, it's like, you know, because at a certain point, like, it's like, how much do you want to trust all of the science and all of the experts and all of the studies? Of course, like, you know, it's like, you know, in the beginning, I think it was very hard to make to take calculated risks because we just mm-hmm. did not have information. Mm-hmm. And now we have so much more information that, of course, if you put yourself around any human being, you have a chance of transmitting or getting COVID, like, mm-hmm. period. But, like, if you know, if you're fully vaccinated and you're hanging out with other fully vaccinated people, can you take that calculated risk of hanging out with them when the alternative is to stay in lockdown? When I think that has it is becoming right a difficult thing for people to do psychologically like mm-hmm. i think the better decision is to go hang out with the vaccinated person and i i will say that like in the beginning of all of this i felt like there was there were a bunch of people who were like who invented a group of people called scolds mm-hmm. and and i was like those those people don't exist they're just you feel guilty about your bad behavior right the way i feel now is that like i do see like i don't take that back at all but i do see kind of like an increasingly v- I don't know if it's like vocal group of people or if I'm just seeing them. I think that's another mm-hmm. thing that's like we're, we're all kind of looking at the same thing on social media, but we're also kind of looking at all of our own things mm-hmm. and seeing specific things maybe other people aren't seeing. I, I am seeing this cr- increase in people who are really pushing back on what I think are some of the absolutely most cautious 
safety-oriented behaviors you could possibly partake in right now. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you don't want to do, like if any individual doesn't feel comfortable doing that stuff, of course, like they shouldn't. Like, because Mm -hmm. like you said, Rachel, like people have a lot of trepidation and I think people have a lot of trauma and that's fine. But I think like, you know, in, in the same way that like telling people to just like get out there and be cool with it isn't awesome. I feel like mm-hmm. the, the, the other side of that is like, y- you should stay in because this is still really bad. I also think that isn't cool, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think that everyone's just like running to these extremes that are not particularly helpful, that don't do much for like everyone's confidence in vaccines and for the sake of public health. And I think it's one thing to have conversations about your fears about going back out there on group chats, but when you're having them in public forums, like where other people can see it and where it can contribute to this, you know, uh, it can, you know, contribute to a panic or make other people think that like, oh, no, I mean, we all do that. We read comments and we think, oh, no, like, what if there's something to this thing that somebody's saying? I need to research this more. Like, that's how things spread. And so I think that, you know, there is real damage that is done when any of these conversations are had in public. And so I think that like, I don't know if there's anything that can be done about it. It's just something I think that we're both observing that as these play out in public, after a year in which like we really couldn't trust like authorities on what they were telling us and then that led to tragic consequences we're in a really tough spot public health wise to make sure that people do trust the science and do feel safe like when people are lied to for a year and it is so directly tied to like governors wanting to open businesses and elected officials wanting the economy to like whatever you know stay up at a cost of human lives like it's really difficult to be like yeah now we can trust people and so it's like this this kind of damage of like public health messaging and having to do our own work like that i think that damage is going to last for a really long time and it's really unfortunate to see yeah i i totally agree and i think that like probably other people i i i always wonder like how much what we're experiencing because we're in media and we're on twitter like reflects how people are really thinking and feeling but i think mm-hmm. that like a great thing to do is to like you said like have these conversations with your group chat and your friends and try to figure out like hey like what are you going to be doing what do you feel safe doing like have you seen this data what do you think of it and and also i mean let let me be clear that like I think it's like what's fucked up is when people with huge platforms who are influencers Mm -hmm. in one way or another are tweeting these like really extreme takes like that. Mm -hmm. That's really the thing like that is is not just like irresponsible, but it's also it's like sowing discord for no reason. Like no one no one needs a take about how the real pandemic is people who want lockdown to continue because no one feels that way. No, I think that's completely correct. And I think that's what I think frustrates both of us the most is when you see people with these big platforms and a blue check just just saying shit. And like it doesn't have to be backed up. It doesn't have to be rooted in anything real. They just say shit. And it's it's really sort of disheartening to watch. Yeah, totally. And that, that brings me right back to being Twitter free and loving it. Well, I'm happy for you. I Thank will. You. I'm, I'm like, I'm not mostly Twitter free, but I'm Twitter light and I've been increasingly so. So I'm hoping that um, I can get through this week with without seeing much more of this discourse or any discourse because who's helping? Yeah, you're so good at being Twitter light in general. <laughs> I, I just, I'm so envious of you. <laughs> I need more hobbies as part of it. Okay. So 
now that we've spent some time talking about like what is happening online and sort of in the imaginary space, let's talk about what's happening kind of in the real world or as we move toward the real world and those kinds of relationships. Because I think that one thing that people are thinking about is seeing friends who perhaps they need to have a friend breakup with or who they've been putting off seeing. There's somebody who they had, you know, at some point in the past year looked at what this person was doing or posting or how they were behaving and thought, oof, I don't know that I want to be friends with this person anymore, but didn't have to really do anything about it at the moment because it was like, oh, it's a pandemic. I can't Mm. see you anyway. And so they've sort of pushed these things down the line and now it's time. Have you noticed any of that? What are your thoughts on people who are like, realizing, oh, shit, I have to see these people again. What do I do? Yeah, I've I've totally noticed that. I, I was actually getting my hair cut for the first time in over nice. a year. <laughs> and I was talking about this with the person who cuts my hair, who has had like actually like a handful of friend breakups. Like I think the pandemic was very – actually, not just the pandemic. I think the last year was very clarifying for her in terms of like where her friends stood, both in terms of like – how one should behave during a pandemic and also like how one should how white how white people should respond to white supremacy and and i think like she's she's like kind of going into the into the summer with like fewer friends but like much happier for it yeah you know just feeling so much better about like having shed these people that she kind of i think slowly realized were terrible and then you know i mean i think like i've i've had a couple of like courageous conversations throughout this last year with people when we've had like really obviously different approaches <laughs> to <laughs> pandemic safety and those are uncomfortable. I don't I don't know that I have any actual friend breakups on the horizon, but I I think like, you know, there it's like kind of a question of like there there now there's an awkward thing between us. How are we going to deal with it? Right. Or maybe it's like one person feels there's an awkward thing between us and the other person doesn't even know that like you've had a year to think about this and have the imaginary fight in your head this whole time and the other person had no idea. And now it's like, okay, do I want to take this out of my head into the real world? Do I just want to ghost them? Do I want to blow them off? Like, how do I want to handle this? Or do I want to like forgive and forget and move on? Which I'm actually kind of personally curious if that's how a lot of people are going to handle this, that I think that ending relationships or friendships is really difficult, particularly if like you run in the same circles or you, you know, have a lot of friends in common and it's, or your family members or, you know, like in-laws and things like that. Like it's really hard to get out of those bonds and I'm, and there's so much pressure to keep them going for the sake of group harmony. And so my question heading into the summer is like, are people going to just sort of let themselves ease back into these things because it's the path of least resistance? Are they going to stay true to how they were feeling last summer? Are they going to continue to challenge white supremacy and call out bad behavior? Or are they just kind of going to like get along while secretly thinking bad things about the person and resenting the person? I don't know, but that's kind of what I'm I'm curious about what I'm keeping an eye on as we head into summer. Yeah, totally. I was going to say like, may I suggest a, a third path, which is to like maintain the friendship, but just secretly think worse of them for the rest of your life. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that's which, what a lot of people that, are That's one do. option. Yeah. I mean, I think like I was actually just realizing as you were as you were talking that like I, I actually have a friendship that like I would have to <laughs> where I would have to have a real courageous conversation 
if the person didn't unfriend me and block me and like block my phone number. <laughs> we got into a little bit of a a tiff about, I guess, kind of about Trump and like politics and stuff like that, but like mm-hmm. just like kind of tied into the, like the year that has happened. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like perhaps that sometimes that's just for the best. Like I think, you know, sometimes you, you hit a wall with a friendship and it, you're, you're no longer compatible. And I think, you know, there is like a best case scenario of you talk to a person and you say like, here's what I think about how your, what your behavior has been. I feel it's been a moral, like, and then they come back to you and they say something that makes you feel like they're actually not as bad of a person as you assumed and you work on seeing each other's sides and you move on with the friendship. But I think other times like people, if you, if you have friends who have been like truly, you know, terrible in one way or another, like it may be great to just let go of that friendship and like make room for, I mean, I, I know that I've gotten a lot closer with certain people this year because we've kind of bonded over what has been going on just in general with mm-hmm. everything. And that's felt really mm-hmm. nice. And I I definitely want those friendships to take up more room in my life than, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't really have – I don't think I have anyone in my life who's been – who's acted in like an abjectly terrible way. But I, mm-hmm. I definitely have like – like there are some courageous conversations that I've had and and have and have to be had and and we'll see kind of like what comes of those, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think my default is I always feel like it's better to to do the work and to have the conversations and to make space in your life for the people who share your values and who you really want to deepen your relationships with, but it's also not easy to do and I don't blame anyone for trying to to make things work or trying to ignore this stuff. But I also think that the stuff from the past year, I think the whole thing about the past year was these things were getting too loud to ignore. And so my feeling slash question is like knowing what we know now about some of our friends and their values, will it be possible to unsee or will you just start to see it in all these other areas of life? Like will this have just been so clarifying that it's like, oh, I actually can't move on because in everything that they talk about, in many ways it will like go back to politics, will go back to certain core beliefs and values. And I'm I'm wondering if if people who choose the go along and get along path will find that it's actually harder to do than it might have been a few years ago because like there were certain things about the past year that I think really made it difficult for a lot of people sort of newly to unsee and unhear certain types of behavior. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there there were things that like really do rise to the level of like friendship ending where it's, it's not just like, let's agree to disagree. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, uh, I think you're causing harm in one way or another. And like, unless I can, I have the energy to talk you out of being a harm, (laughs) a vector (laughs) of harm and you actually change, like, let's just like end this right here. I feel grateful for anyone who is a friend of mine who has hidden their like unsafe pandemic behavior from me <laughs> <laughs> which like you know like there i've i've had you know like i i i have represented like i represent the most i think extreme yeah. end of pandemic caution right same and you know i don't ex- i don't think that anyone who isn't behaving exactly like me is like causing the pandemic to keep going right i think there are plenty of behaviors that were less cautious than what I was doing that were also totally safe to do Yeah, that I didn't do because I didn't feel comfortable and I was feeling too anxious and too neurotic and Mm -hmm. so on. 
I have friends who have done like those things mm-hmm. and have been like, I didn't want to tell you I did this because I was worried that you would, you know, never see me the same way again. And we had a really good conversation where I got to talk about like my approach to this and mm-hmm. how it doesn't have to be like your approach. And just because I sound really strident and judgmental, it doesn't mean that I can't see nuance. Mm-hmm. You know, having said that, like these are not people who were like, having indoor hangs, right. you know, going to weddings, that, that kind of thing. Yeah, you know? exactly. So like, I, I think that like, if you do have those like relationships where people kind of acted in a way that was like different than you, like they were calibrated different, but like on balance weren't causing like a huge amount of harm, mm-hmm. I think, or like not a huge amount <laughs> weren't causing harm. I think that's like actually a really good place to I think that can lend itself to a really good interesting like fruitful conversation with a friend about like these differences and like how we approach them and deal with them mm-hmm. and that to me is also kind of like the exact opposite of what we were talking about earlier like it's like the conversations online where there's no nuance mm-hmm. there's no generosity mm-hmm. there's no impetus to make room for someone else's thoughts and fears and neuroses. It's just only about this like black and white thing. You know, I think if you can have like one of those conversations, it can be awesome or, you know, it can be hellish because mm-hmm. having those conversations requires a vulnerability that sort of makes me want to like crawl into a hole and like never come out. <laughs> right. I agree. Well, I think that's a good segue into some more positive things. So I thought we could maybe share some things that we're excited to do once we're, I mean, you're fully vaccinated. I'm almost there. Like I thought it'd be fun to share some things that we're looking forward to for the spring and summer out in the world. I'm so excited to do this. (laughs) Okay. You want to kick it off? What's the first thing that you're just like really pumped to do? Or even if you've already done it, like, was it great? Okay. So two things that I'm like most excited about. One, tabletop gaming in real life, being in Mm. someone's home, sitting around their table, you know, having snacks and drinks and, you know, gaming. Mm -hmm. I cannot fucking wait for that. The other big thing is just like being in friends' homes. Mm -hmm. Like ever since we moved to Philly where just like people have more room than they had, than we all had in New York, Mm -hmm. like we don't go out a huge amount, but we hang out in in people's homes and in like our home a lot. Mm -hmm. Every time there was like a holiday weekend, we would get together with uh, friends of ours, like another couple and we would, we would go to their place or they would come here and we would like hang out and make dinner and have drinks and they would stay over. We would stay over there. Like I... I am dying to do that. (laughs) Like all of the people who have been tweeting this whole year about how they really miss like going to parties or going dancing or going at like, like concerts. Like I am, I have none of those things. I have, I looked at those tweets and been like, man, I relate. I cannot wait to go to a concert before or again. But like the thing that I am, and, and, and I think for a long time also, I didn't feel, I couldn't really imagine the pandemic ending. So I wasn't even really thinking about what I was so excited about. Mm -hmm. But now I am like vibrating with excitement about just like being indoors with friends. Yeah. (laughs) What what about you, Rachel? Well, the first thing that I'm excited to do, which will come as a surprise to no one, is get my hair done. I think Mm -hmm. that my hairdresser is going to be the first person that my girlfriend and I see after a year inside, which is fitting, but also sort of just like, I don't know. It's just like, I don't think that's going to be most people's experience, but that's where I am. So 
I booked that appointment. I'm very, very, very excited about that. And my feeling is like, I want to get my hair done before I do everything else because I want to like feel good going back into the world. So that's the thing I'm very, very excited about. As I mentioned before, we've got a bunch of chores on our list to take care of. So we've already started making the appointments for our shades to finally be hung in the bedroom, just little things like that, getting our kitchen sink fixed, like all those little things. But the things that I'm truly excited about are getting to be out in our neighborhood and just like you know, I live in a neighborhood where there's like a lot of a lot of bars. There's been a ton of outdoor dining. There's lots of coffee shops. There's lots of actual shopping and bookstores and all these little things to just like you pop around, you pop into a store, you get a cookie, you walk to the water. Like it's just such a great neighborhood. And I'm really excited to be able to do that, not just walking on the sidewalk, but going into the stores, getting the cookie, taking it down to the water and eating it right there. Like I think totally. that'll be really great. A couple of weeks ago, we were taking a walk and it was a really nice weekend and the outdoor dining was really really full. And we walked by, uh, you know, lots of outside having drinks. And I just caught the smell of like beer and limes. And I was like, oh my God, like, wow. <laughs> Remember that? Remember like sitting outside and having a drink on a beautiful day with friends. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing friends. I just like, I think like you, you know, I haven't been doing anything. And so it's been hard to imagine. And I think it makes, I think that was the right choice for me because I found it was easier to, I felt better not doing those things. I think having dipped a toe in, it would have made it harder to then not have them or to do a version of them would have felt worse than doing the thing fully um, because I think it would have been so apparent that like this isn't the thing we wish we were doing. So as a result, I feel like I've so like sort of made peace with not seeing people for so long that I'm not like – it's not the first thing that comes to mind because I've trained myself not to think about it. But I also know that like you know, last year – in probably April, my coworker came to our window because my mom had made some fabric masks. And so I wanted to give her one for her and one for her boyfriend. Like this is when masks were like impossible to get. So she came to our window fully masked up. And like the window is like, you know, six or eight feet off the sidewalk. So we could like drop the thing like through the little slit down to her. Mm -hmm. And she was the first person I had seen. And like, was so masked and it was just so emotional to like see a a face you knew Mm -hmm. even with a mask on but also with the mask on made me feel really sad so I'm like really again because I have been trying not to think about this stuff too much over the past year it's not like oh I'm so desperately missing that but I'm also like I had that one taste and I'm like oh I know I'm gonna feel so good and so emotional when I finally see my friends faces in person again not through a screen that it's going to be like really really special so can't wait for that and then I'm also just excited to go to the beach with people and have like a really gay beach summer we have a car we have a gay beach within driving distance and I'm just like pumped to go and like be out with queer people on the beach this summer oh that sounds amazing yeah that sounds really good I actually like so Truly, the first person I saw outside my household also was my stylist. Like getting my mm-hmm. haircut was like, um, I, I was telling her like, I, I I haven't been to the dentist in a really long yeah. time, and it's extremely important. But that that can happen when that <laughs> happens. The hair right. is like the most important thing. But like that appointment of getting my haircut and chatting with this person who I I really love. Like she's she's really great, and I hadn't seen her in over a year. We had this like amazing conversation where I think, you know, it's like the the other thing about seeing your friends for the first time in so long in real life is that like, there's just like a lot to process and a lot to talk Mm -hmm. about. And you haven't really been doing that in the same way. And so it like, it just, it is emotional and it feels really good. And like, I left that appointment feeling like, wow, I really just got what I needed from that interaction. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, normally like, you know, 
when things were as they used to be before the pandemic, it's like, you know, you would go, you would get your haircut and you would talk and you would chat with that person and you would chat with like a barista and you would chat with your neighbor and that was fine. But like now those (laughs) experiences are some of our only like social interactions. Like if you're, if you're like vaccinated and you're Mm -hmm. out doing stuff, like I, I felt like that it was like one of the most like moving and like wonderful social interactions I've had in like recent memory. And that was just the person that was cutting my hair. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so I feel like all of these, like the little things are going to feel like big and the big things are going to feel like, I think I'm going to see a friend of mine in two weeks. Like she will be fully vaccinated and we're Mm going to meet up in a town that is halfway between both of us. And we're just going to like walk around and hang Mm -hmm. out. I'm going to dissolve it. Yeah. And I'm just going to collapse in tears. Like yeah. for that's going to be our entire hangout is like me just like sobbing. Yeah. My girlfriend and I have been talking about like it's based on like a tweet from a month or so ago, but we've been talking about like one drop of Sprite. Like one drop of Sprite is going to be like the thing that going back into the world is going to like destroy us. Just like this little lightest, smallest thing. And we've been saying like, what's like, what's going to be our one drop of Sprite that's going to just like feel wild. There's also a JP Brammer tweet about like, he he said something like, when I go back to the world, it's going to be like giving a medieval peasant an iPad. Like there, you would just like leave <laughs> yeah. your body. And so I've been thinking about those two tweets a lot. And even hearing you talk about this, I like feel emotional just thinking about it. And so I think that's like a big reason why I'm like, I'm not going to go too hard right away. Like it's going to like, I'm going to have a long appointment with my stylist who I haven't seen in a year I like need a week between that and when I like see another person who I like care for deeply because I'm just going to like be so overwhelmed, I think, and so emotional and so excited. But like it's just it's going to be a lot. So I'm like trying to emotionally prepare myself now and like give myself space to like have that reaction into like maybe I don't know. I don't, I don't, you, I'm really curious to hear once you do see your friend, like how it feels to see another person because I'm like, I want to know from vaccinated people how it feels to go back into the world and like, is it normal and does everything come back quickly or is it like you're just like completely, you know, what's your experience like? Well, I first of all, let me just say that it'll be really interesting to compare notes because I think this is like a good study and how we're different because you're like, you know, I'm going to go slow and stuff like that. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, over what I'm going to have all the, I'm just going to cry. I'm going to see everyone. I'm going to flood myself with emotions. And then I'm going (laughs) to spend like two weeks in as like in recovery. Yeah. So we can like totally compare notes about that. Mm -hmm. So far, like I've done a couple of things. Like, so I got my haircut. I, you know, going to the grocery store as a fully vaccinated person is, feels weirdly normal. Like Mm -hmm. it's this weird thing where in some ways it feels so normal because it's like, I, there was a thing I did every single week of my life for years and years and years. I took one year off of it. So Mm -hmm. now I'm back at it and it's like, it feels at how it always did. Mm -hmm. But it's also like everything else in the pandemic where where it's also incredibly dystopian. Like you look around and everyone's like wearing masks. And like, I went to grab like a plastic bag for produce at the same time that this like elderly man did. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that he was like wearing gloves and just, and, and it just, made me think about like how different like his experience yeah. is going to the group. And, and I was like, oh, this isn't normal. Yeah. You know, and then getting my haircut, like it's, it felt really good because like it was just me and one other person in the room. We were both double masked. They had like an air purifier going, like I felt good about it, but also like it's, you also can't, not think about, or at least I can't not think about like, wow, I'm inside with a person who's not my partner. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, I'm vaccinated, so that is safe. Mm -hmm. But also, it doesn't feel safe to be inside with someone who's not my partner. Like, it just doesn't feel like it's safe. Like, which I think goes back to what we were saying before, where, you know, we've been living this way for a year. It's hard to just like snap out of it. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is, I've gone into a couple stores. Mm. There's like a plant store near us that has that like kind of garden center thing where it's in like a, a garage. And so it's like, it's not open air, but it's like, open air-esque and mm-hmm. it just feels a little bit, you know, feels more ventilated and stuff. So I did that. Right. And, you know, that it it's weird. It's like, yeah, I'm browsing in a store. I, I've i spent my whole life browsing in stores. This mm-hmm. feels normal. But it also, there's hand sanitizer everywhere and everyone's wearing a mask. And it's also like, you don't want to like look at, you don't want to browse the same item as yeah. someone else because you don't want to stand next, you know? So it's like, it's this, for me, it's been a weird combination of everything comes back to you instantly. And then also you get sort of like yanked out of that mm-hmm. feeling of familiarity by something that reminds you of like the pandemic. Yeah, that sounds right. Well, I am excited to experience that for myself soon. Yeah, I definitely want to like hear how it goes for you. And I, I also want to hear like all the thi- all like the first things you do and how it is. Like I want a full report on that walk to the water with a cookie and stuff like that. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Even though that is a really nice thing to end on, should we officially share a couple of nice things to end on? Yes, we absolutely should. Rachel, what is your nice thing to end on? My nice thing to end on is The Nanny, the 90s sitcom, which is now on HBO Max. I had never seen it before when it was actually on. I had never seen it in syndication. So I am working my way through it from the beginning like as a brand new viewer. It's great. I know a lot of people already know this, but it's so delightful. It's so mellow. I, I was thinking about it after watching. I think we've probably watched like 15 episodes episodes now. And it's like a lot of sitcoms, the the plots and the comedy is based on like hijinks where it's like somebody's gotten themselves into trouble and like there's off it's often rooted in like these people being kind of chaotic. So like even if you've got like a comic genius like Lucille Ball, it's also like Lucy, like it doesn't have to be this way. You never learn your lesson. <laughs> and I've noticed that there's a real absence of that on the nanny. Like it happens from time to time, but like this is not a show about Fran, a chaos person, like constantly getting herself into messes, like the conflict feels so much lower stakes and mellower than that. And it's like a lot of nice people just having like little problems. And I just find it like so soothing. Um, It's just there's something about it that makes me feel like I'm watching a stage play. I think it's like the way the sets are designed and the costumes, but also sort of the jokes and the humor. It's like watching theater actors perform and I'm just loving it. And I'm I I want to encourage anyone who's never seen it before to check it out. That sounds awesome. I've never seen The Nanny. Oh. Yeah. And so now I feel totally ready to. I've been seeing people talking about it a little bit. Maybe it's because now it's on HBO Max. Yeah, it just came to HBO Max like very recently. Okay. I'm I'm really excited because I am forever looking for chill TV comedies to just kind of like zone out to. So I'll, t- I'll totally check that out. Cool. All right, Sally, what is your nice thing to end on? So my nice thing to end on comes to you and me and all of us <laughs> from my Instagram feed. Okay. I got like a suggested sponsored what have you like ad thing for the art of this photographer whose name is Todd Hido, H-I-D-O. We'll, we'll link to this in the show notes. He has this this book called House Hunting mm-hmm. and it's these like really beautiful portraits of just like homes in suburban places. Mm -hmm. And there's a description I'll read because it it does a really good job of like explaining what the vibe is. Mm -hmm. Todd Heido's large color photographs of suburbia are lonely, forlorn, mysterious, and strangely comforting. 
Haido photographs the interior rooms of repossessed tract homes and the outsides of similar houses at night, whose habitation is suggested by the glow of a television set or unseen overhead bulb. Seldom does the similar evoke such melancholy. Yet, rather than passing judgment on his anonymous subjects, Haido manages to turn the banal into something beautiful, imbuing his prints of interiors with soft pastels and allowing the exteriors to glow in the cool evening air. I wasn't going to read that whole thing, but it was mm-hmm. also beautiful and evocative that I decided <laughs> to. Um, anyway, so I got an ad for in, on Instagram for some gallery where mm. you can buy his artwork. It's mm-hmm. so expensive. Mm. I, I don't know why Instagram thinks I'm the kind of person who can afford to buy art, but... <laughs> So I, I'm not going to. However, I am going to get this hardcover book of his work called House Hunting. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to share it because it's it, it's really lovely. And as that description indicates, it's kind of like melancholy and a little haunted, but also really kind of beautiful and mysterious at the same time. And it it makes me feel really calm. Mm. And that's like the that was the nice thing I wanted to end on. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes and you can check out like the book, the hardcover book, or if you are the kind of person who can afford to buy art, you can just go bananas and get some really nice art to hang in your mansion. Yeah. I want that for somebody who's listening to this. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Oh, I Like That. Please rate us and review us. It really helps us. Leave a review of the show. You can also follow us on Twitter at Oh, I Like That Pod or email us at Oh, I Like That Pod at gmail.com. You can also follow the two of us. I'm at the underscore R-E-W-M and Sally is at Sally T. Oh, I Like That is produced by Rachel and Sally and edited by Lucas. Amber Seeger, who is Rocket Orca on social media, designed our logo.